I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. They don't waste time. The commander and his deputy throw this new batch of bodies onto the pyre. The corpses stare up into the heavens as if they're waiting for God to take them whole. Beneath them, many of the eyes of the tribesmen have already begun to boil and burst. In some, the flames are licking from their sockets. The British commander and his deputy ignore the grotesquerie, but I can't. I watch the skins of these men crack as the fat beneath it melts, then starts to come away from bone. I know that inside them, their internal internal organs are heating up, and they'll boil too, then, then they'll explode. As the muscles succumb completely to the fire, they'll dry up, wither, and burn away. The fire is hot. The bones will burn up too, becoming black dust. I've seen it all before, having built my share of funeral pyres, having been burned at the stake once or twice. That's from my breath series. It's the second big book in the series um, called Of Sand and Bone. And uh, I've just finished it, and, and, and it's in sort of post production and, and will be um, launching in the next few months. And that short excerpt. involves Shirin, who is a ninti, and a ninti is this this entity, this creature, human, most of the time, who is born over and over again in a quest to, well, meet her love in every life, but also to solve a great mystery that will help humanity continue in God's great experiment, right? And, you know, this is, a, this is a character who has lived so many lives. And like she says, I've been burned at the stake more than once. And, you know, in every life she has these shadow memories of all of the things that she's been through. And, of course, they're considerable, you know, having lived these hundreds of lives. And yet, in each new life, she's born a fresh human being. And she only, as a ninti, you know, in her specific case, she can only live until her 18th birthday. And so here she is. She is this young woman who never, you know, lives beyond young adulthood and who is experiencing all the things that we experience as children and as young adults and yet she has all of these shadow memories as i said of these these very significant things that have happened to her throughout history and you know it 
this is a this is a really challenging character to write because you know it's writing someone who is at once young and inexperienced and maturing and yet you know has had all of these experiences but ones that she can't quite access and can't quite remember and you know the way that I I was I was able to write her the way that I really thought about writing her because this is this is really difficult and it's it's hard to figure out how to write such a character and make that character believable and um, not have you know a young person reading it and thinking well this 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 character acts way too adult um, and hopefully I've achieved that but you know I I you know we all as writers use our own lives of course as as inspiration and in this case I used my youngest daughter and I was reading over an essay I wrote some years ago when my daughter was eight you know she's now almost 15 but at that point my eight-year-old daughter Josephine was having this falling out with one of her best friends and I mean, I don't know exactly what caused the riff in the first place, but the girls found themselves in some sort of altercation on a near daily basis. And the experience really furnished me with one of the great perks of being a parent, that of being privy to some of the most insane and hilarious and strangely poignant conversations I've ever had the pleasure of hearing. And also that, you know, helped sort of inform my work and what we're talking about today. Um, and it was hard because my daughter was truly hurting at this point. And I was really sorry that that was going on. But at the same time, gems like the following exchange that I'm going to recount don't come along every day. And they offer a glimpse not only into playground dynamics, but the inner workings of a child's mind and sort of allow us to see how we develop from that point. And, of course, for a fiction writer like me, subsequently, you know, how a character might develop. So, anyway, here goes. My daughter's friend said to her, oh, My life is so much harder than yours. You've just got it too easy, and you never have to deal with anything big. And then Josephine said, oh, I can't believe you would say that. Do you know how many scary roller coasters I've been on? No. <laughs> At this point, my daughter's play-by-play of her fight with her former best friend. You know, at this point I said, Well, honey, you've also had cancer and nearly died a bunch of times. And my daughter said, Well, yeah, I know. And then, do you know what else I told her? I said, You've never been on the Mach Tower at Bush Gardens, and I have. They drop you 200 feet in the air. Huh. So there. All right, on the one hand, Josephine's implied assertion that roller coasters are scarier than cancer sounds utterly ridiculous. The kind of thing that makes my mother, you know, flick her hand and say, oh, you kids, you know nothing. But in a way, she's right. Scary roller coasters certainly feel scarier than cancer. 
They go at breakneck speed or discombobulating and they give you whiplash and make your stomach drop. Illness, for instance, is more methodical than that and more insidious. You can look fine, feel fine, but be just months away from death if you don't do something about it and fast. What my daughter was describing is the rawness of fear as a child is apt to do. We adults tend to be far more rational about it. We soothe ourselves with statistics recalling that the chances of our fun car derailing on a series of loop-de-loops is minuscule. Grown-ups tend to get all hot and bothered about the things we don't and cannot know. Things like death or love or God. Childhood is in the moment. Charles Schultz, Charles Schultz of Peanuts fame, right? He was a genius at bringing the realities of childhood to the surface with his Peanuts cartoon. Instead of portraying children as sweet innocents who flutter fairy-like through their early years, he showed us our young lives as they truly are. Periods of loneliness and ennui interspersed with tremendous surges of hope and excitement and joy. Friendships come and go when we're children and only the lucky ones have staying power. Some drift away, then come together again spectacularly. Others end abruptly and irrevocably. Childhood is a bipolar experience, at least in my memory, and filled more with outright insults than passive-aggressive slights. The above-mentioned former best friend of my daughter's, for instance, also told my daughter that they could no longer be best friends anymore because Josephine just wasn't popular enough for her. And she had bigger plans for recess than merely playing fantasy games. There was a game of Foursquare that she'd set her sights on. And Josephine hates Foursquare, so that's not going to work at all. I mean, looking back, and really even then, (laughs) I kind of appreciated the girl's honesty. Even if she was sounding more and more like a little shit. An adult might have simply backed away slowly, calling less, liking your posts on Facebook, but not engaging with you in a meaningful way. Oh, I'm so busy. A grown-up is more capable of neglecting to invite you to her wine and cheese to-do than telling you, oh, it was all the women from my book club. (laughs) You wouldn't have known a single soul as if she was doing you a favor. Childhood, however, is brazen and brutal as much as it is magical and electrifying 
It is crass. And those very first indignities, the ones that are shameless in their execution, are also the ones that teach us how to interpret the foggier disputes that come later in our lives. I mean, young people make it easier for you. They say, you're ugly. I don't like you. My dad says, your dad's a loser. Most adults have learned how to duck and weave and smile. It's up to you to decipher whether you have, perhaps unintentionally, offended a friend or whether her life has overwhelmed her and she has genuinely little or no time to devote to your friendship right now. Or if she's simply moved on to greener pastures. She's not going to tell you it's because you're ugly. Similarly, a boss might talk around your deficiencies, explaining where you could use development instead of outright telling you that you suck and she's scratching her head as to how you could have landed this job in the first place. I mean, it's up to you to figure it out. Make it right, if you even can, or move on. So, you know, as, as I've listened to the painful, cringe-inducing stories my children have told me about throughout the years, you know, some that are just profoundly horrible, things that their so-called friends have said to them without so much batting an eyelash. I try to remember there's a long road advantage to these Charlie Brown episodes, to not always getting invited to the party or getting the Valentine or procuring the right Christmas tree for the school's nativity play. And we are meant to learn from these barefaced encounters, the ones that sting and leave us standing there, baboon butt red with embarrassment. Those initial calluses are useful and necessary to, to our later resilience. They're the scary roller coasters that prepare us for cancer. These are the things that we layer upon the characters as fiction writers and that we appreciate in our characters as readers. The things we absorb, you know, without even us, for instance, as writers, having to spell them out completely. It's having to think about them and drop breadcrumbs of our character's past in a way that a reader can really understand why, for instance, a character might be unusually strong in a really, under a really difficult circumstance, even though that character is very young and you're thinking to yourself, my God, how can this, this young woman stand? You know, watching, for instance, this person die or having witnessed a murder, whatever it is. And these things are all things that I play with in my stories because this this young woman, this perpetually young woman who was born over and over again, who 
experiences, you know, various difficulties in her lives, but, you know, kind of in her DNA, in her institutional memory are all of these past circumstances. And that is really what has been so frustrating and difficult and yet incredibly juicy to do because you know as I've as I've written this character and watched you know watched her evolve and 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 evolve by my hand because I'm the one making her evolve it has helped me understand you know how you know, my daughter's intense early health problems have informed her life and how tough she is and how, you know, her friend who, I mean, they were very young, obviously, when this exchange happened, but I see this happening even now when she's 15, you know, she has friends who, who are aware of, of what she's been through, but they just can't understand it. And yet, you know, and we'll be talking about things that are not so difficult and, 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 and they're so hard for them and understandably, and they should be. And, you know, here is my daughter saying, oh, these poor girls, I just can't even believe what they're going through. <laughs> or can you believe it? And I've been on a roller coaster and they think that they've had hard times. And, um, you know, it's, it's experiences like that that really inform our lives and inform our fiction as writers and inform what we love to read and enrich us and help us understand just how our experiences shape us and how they might shape others. So thank you for listening and I hope this has been a, a good week. I had to, ended up having to skip a week last week because we just had kind of an unexpected um, an unexpected situation at our house so you know these things come up but um, I look forward to next week and until then my friends stay cold.